0: oh honey
1: picture me upon your knee with tea for two and two for tea coming up on today's tea with kenny p ken discusses how toasted tastes better then ken has delusions of grandeur as he embarks on a hero's journey after which, Ken gets all theatrical with an audio drama. The perfect audio accompaniment for doing the dishes or walking the dog or hunting the Pokemon or whatever. Hi, I'm
2: Sue Walker, and I'm going to show you how to make toast from bread. The most common way to make toast is to use a regular toaster or a tabletop toaster oven. Hello, dear listener. As Jebediah Quizno famously said, oven toasted tastes better. And never have truer words been spoken. Toasting is the culinary equivalent of your favorite blanket, fresh from the dryer. Take your standard marshmallow for instance. These overprocessed chalk wads are transformed into a warm hug of distant summer memories. Not the sweltering heat welding your thighs to the vinyl seats on your dad's station wagon. Not the swarms of mosquitoes, sunburn, poison ivy, or that nauseating feeling that comes from a hearty meal of cotton candy with a tilt a chaser. No, a, a, a toasted marshmallow tastes like a welcome cool breeze with the warmth of a campfire and the distant sound of gentle waves splashing against the dock. Toasting is the difference between the standard prison meal of two slices of bread with a Kraft single and a grilled cheese sandwich, or the difference between a complimentary dessert off the senior's menu and creme brulee. Okay, now I, I want you to try something for me, dear listener. I want, me, I, I want you to tell me the next time you find yourself in this scenario. I'm about to describe, that you'll give it a shot at least once. Now, if you're, you're on a subway or in an office or they're out jogging, I want you to say aloud, yes, I'll give it a shot. Okay. I'll wait a little for the awkwardness you're getting from people around you to die a little. All right, here's the situation. It's morning. You're entering your kitchen for a little coffee, some breakfast. Or tea, maybe you're a tea exclusivist. You are listening to a tea podcast, after all. Anyway, you're preparing your hot morning beverage of choice. You see on the counter? Oh well, yeah. There's yesterday's box of donuts. They're they're a little stale now. So so, so maybe the old you would, would, would just toss them out. Or maybe you eat the stale donut. No judgment here. There's many who'd agree. Tis better a stale donut than no donut at all. But then you remember this very moment you're experiencing right now. You remember the thing that Kenny P. told you to try. So what do you do? Well, first of all, you look in that box for any sort of non-iced or jelly-filled Donut. Which works out perfectly because those are usually the ones left over. So once again your plain glazed apple fritters Dutchies. There's those maple glazed ones with the walnuts in them. But not if you're like me and walnuts cause your tongue to swell and get all tingly. Or anything like you, your standard Krispy Kreme works great. Anyway you get the idea. Okay now you're going to take that donut with a knife you'd usually use to slice bagels. And you're going to slice it right through the center. Now, if you got a toaster oven, you're going to want to heat that up to, to whatever temperature you'd use to make an English muffin pizza. If you don't have a toaster oven, go ahead and, and heat up that big boy slash big girl oven. Or even the kids' e- easy bake oven. Or... If, and only if, the donut isn't too sticky and your wife or your mom or anyone else who would potentially yell at you isn't there to witness, go, and go ahead and slide that bad boy right into the toaster. Because, dear listener, you're a person who knows how to take life by the horns, to roll with the punches, and when life gives you a stale donut for breakfast... Well, you just go ahead and toast that donut. And what you've ended up with is crisp and flaky, like a French pastry, but warm and sweet, crunching with crisp, caramelized sugar. The breakfast of champions. And as you bite into it in your mind, you hear my voice. Hey, you're welcome, dear listener. You have a good morning, buddy. Well, that was Toast Corner, a new segment I've been working on for the show. Ha, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've just got toast on the mind, you see. Why would my mind be so occupied on the topic of toast, you ask? Well, thank you for asking. It's because today, dear listener, I'm drinking Jamancha Satsuki. My apologies if I butchered the pronunciation. What is this... Jamacha Satsuki, of which I speak? Well, it's a lovely Japanese green tea. Mm-hmm. So why would it make you think of toast, you ask? Well, dear listener, within all these green tea leaves are mixed bits of toasted rice. Imagine a Rice crispy you know, the cereal, but harder and toastier and less snap-crackle and poppy. And this, the toasty rice infuses the green tea with a pleasant, toasty taste. You might say it's the creme brulee, or Quizno sandwich, or toasted donut of teas. Now, I know this tea might not be everyone's jam. First off, you need to be a fan of strong, clear green tea. And then you need to be cool with toasty overtones. Dear listener, if you're the kind of person that gets freaked out by toasty overtones, well, this this isn't your tea. But that's okay. If you haven't found your tea yet, don't worry. Eventually, we'll find it together, you and I. But I honestly think this is my favorite tea. Like, this is my go-to. Like, it's in my go-bag for when the Zambies come. There's a real... Hipstery type independent cafe downtown Stratford, Ontario, which is a quaint Canadian city jammed packed with hipster independent cafes. But what's special about this particular hipster cafe? They'll make you a cup of jamancha satsuki. And also, they're next to my favorite Thai food restaurant and since I'm downtown anyway, and my quarter's already in the meter. This tea goes really well with a nice peanut curry. So I stop in for a cup. For a while, it was a Friday tradition. Now, I know I don't exactly look like any sort of hardcore. I believe I covered last episode how I can't pull off a tattooed or or leather pants look. Also, I'm coming from the office, so I'm dressed like the dorky professional programmer I am so when i order the jamancha satsuki the barista would you call her a barista if she's serving tea or is that more of a coffee thing Well, she probably serves more coffee than tea i don't know but whatever phone let's let's role play this thing you and me and 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 order a jamancha satsuki in a to go cup
1: i'd like a genmacha satsuki to go please
2: i'm the barista you 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 can't see it but i'm I'm looking phone up and down here, sizing her up. And I say, are you sure? Just so you know, it's it's pretty earthy.
1: Um, yes, please.
2: And that's probably how I responded, too. You ever get the sense you're eating or drinking something and somebody acts like you couldn't possibly genuinely like whatever it is you're ingesting? I get that with certain folks when I eat spicy food like they think I'm just eating it to impress them. Anyway, that's how I felt. She sized me up and figured the only tea I could possibly like was watered-down orange pico with a lot of milk and about eight cubes of sugar. And also, I needed it out of a little girl's tea set. But she can think what she wants. I honestly like that tea, and I don't think it's a really big deal. It's not like I order a big old cup of rattlesnake venom. And understand, I didn't get warned about the tea's earthiness just once, dear listener. I'd say it happened like four times consecutively. So then I thought of a comeback. It's not not the greatest comeback of all time or anything. But it'd be a solid comeback if, if I were to think of it on the spot. Or at least create the illusion I thought of it on the spot. Like, how would I know the barista would warn me about the earthiness of my order? But maybe she did know, maybe she saw me in the line and said to her co-worker, Hey, that guy keeps ordering the Satsuki. I'm going to warn him it's too earthy, and just watch for that subtle twitch over his left eye as he packs his annoyance down into the furthest reaches of his psyche. But this time I was armed with a comeback. Hey phone, warn me that the tea I ordered is too earthy.
1: Are you sure about that little fella? This tea is pretty earthy. This is more of a big boy drink. Maybe I can pour you a nice glass of you're an overgrown man, baby. How does that sound?
2: Okay, phone, that was good. Maybe we could, um, maybe we could do it one more time and you could, and maybe not lay it on quite so thick.
1: Are you sure? It's pretty earthy.
2: Hey, that's okay. Earth is actually my, my, my home planet. Oh, snap. Right? Only I never got to say it. Because ever since I came up with the comeback, she's all like, did you want that here or to go? Maybe I was showing that confidence that came from having a comeback ready to go, but she never warned me about how earthy the tea was again. So that's Jemancha Satsuki. It's today's tea. And you should give it a try. Hey, but careful. It's pretty earthy.
0: And here you are. And that's all that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. And so, what the Munchkins want to know is, are you a good witch or a bad witch? But I've already told you, I'm not a witch at all. Witches are old and ugly. What was that?
1: The Munchkins, they're laughing because I am a witch. I'm Glinda, the Witch of the North. You are? I beg your pardon,
0: but... I've never heard of a beautiful witch before. Only bad witches are ugly.
2: Well, dear listener, maybe you've listened to the last episode in which I publicly embarked on a quest to become an extra on the new Star Trek series, soon to be filming nearby. And if you listen to that episode, dear listener, you must be waiting with bated breath to hear how my journey's going. Well, so far I've, I've been sending a lot of emails... Emails? Question mark? Followed by whatever emoji the kids use to signify disappointment? I guess there's a face with like a sort of half frown, but the eyes aren't like sad, sympathetic eyes. They're non-impressed, almost emotionless eyes. And wherever you are, dear listener, maybe there's a hint of that look on your face right now as you're thinking about all the epic journeys you've ever heard about. Did Bilbo Baggins begin his journey with an email? Did Luke Skywalker enter the rebellion by requesting attendance to a free information seminar? Well, no. But in my defense, I don't exactly have Gandalf or Hagrid dragging me along into an adventure. I'm reluctant to go on now, do I? In the hero's journey or monomyth formula that all heroic stories use from ancient Greece to our modern superhero movies, I'm in what we call stage two, which means I've got a lot of work ahead of me if I'm going to reach all twelve stages sometime this fall. You can read more about the hero's journey on Wikipedia, but here's where I stand on this journey. Well, stage one, that was easy. It's all those establishing shots in the Today's Tea with Kenny P. the Motion Picture. You'll need a montage of a younger kid and a gawky teenager dressed in 80s and 90s attire watching Star Trek, building model ships, running around with a homemade batleth, playing that text-based Star Trek game on a local BBS, My goal is to show increasing levels of dorkiness until we hit on a shot of me, a wild Kenny in his final form, recording these very words in his car-slash-recording studio. And that was stage one, the ordinary world. It's the shyer bits of the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, or the moisture farm on Tatooine. According to Wikipedia, stage two, the call to adventure, something shakes up the situation either from an external pressure or from something rising up deep within. So the hero must face the beginnings of change. When CBS announced that they'd be filming this fall in Toronto, it was like hearing your weird neighbor, Old Ben, fought in the rebellion, or that my parents were once great wizards. So here I am, dear listener, facing the beginnings of change. And I guess you you could argue I've even started into Stage 3, Refusal of the Call. The hero feels a fear of the unknown and tries to turn away from the adventure, however briefly. Alternatively, uh, another character may express the uncertainty and danger ahead. Or, alternatively, every single casting agent in Toronto either ignores my email completely or sends a vague reply that's impossible to decode. Now, I'm still in correspondence, such as it is, so I don't want to dish too much on the details. But what I'm after is stage four, meeting with the mentor. I need to find a seasoned traveler of the worlds and give me training, equipment, or advice that'll help me on my journey. According to Wikipedia, I can alternatively reach within for a source of courage and wisdom. I mean, maybe I can muster some of that inner courage. But when it comes to the television industry, the only inner wisdom I've got, the advice I've already given on a previous episode, dear listener, when you're in a TV audience, always have your hand ready to shoot up at a moment's notice. I don't think that'll help me this time, dear listener. Last time I checked, I've never heard the voice of Patrick Stewart chiming in.
0: Star Trek The Next Generation was filmed before a live studio audience. And even if that were the case,
2: the only interaction they'd be after is to obey the applause sign. So anyway, I I need my Mr. Miyagi, a wizened someone who knows something about television. Because though I've fanatically studied television for much of my life, I've got very little knowledge of its inner workings. So, what does a podcaster do when he needs advice? Well, he turns to other podcasts. Quick side note, if you're worried I'm starting to have delusions of grandeur with all this hero's journey nonsense, keep in mind we're, we're talking about a journey where the apex is me, covered in blue paint with latex all over my forehead. Standing out of focus in the distance, holding a weird stick with maybe a silver-painted dust buster and some LEDs stuck to it. Anyway, back to finding my Glinda the Good Witch of the South. After Things is a podcast that evolved from the hosts of Weird Things, one of my favorite podcasts, by the way. If you're like me and you love space news, skunk apes, and Weird Goblin reports from the Russian news source Pravda. This podcast's for you. Anyway, after they record Weird Things, they record After Things, where they dish about what they've learned over the years. Together, they've produced a lot of content, from critically praised novels to best-selling card games to Magic Acts and two separate television shows, and I believe a whole lot of television pitch meetings and pilots. Can I let you in on a secret, dear listener, from a guy who talks into a mic and puts it into an RSS feed that gets read by iTunes? Because in that regard, the After Things guys and I are compatriots. Podcasters love to get emails. Specifically emails where you give them a potentially interesting conundrum that you're willing to let them discuss on air. And they love that better, in fact, than a mushy fan letter. Because they can just copy and paste that guy into the old show notes. And he giving them 10 minutes worth of show material. Ken at Today's Tea with KennyP.com. Just saying. So here's Andrew Main reading my email.
0: Right now, Bry, we're going to jump into our first question here. And this is right a good on. one. It's a good one. This is from Ken. He says, hello, after things. I've publicly taken up a quest to become an extra on the new Star Trek series set to begin filming near me this fall. I'm also chronicling this journey on my podcast, Today's Tea with Kenny P. Up to this point, all I can report on is having my emails ignored by casting agents. Since you know a lot more about how television works, have you got any other ideas? I'll gladly accept either sensible ideas using proper channels and procedures as well as stupid, potentially humiliating ideas that might make a compelling podcast. Also, if you do talk about this on After Things, I take uh, and I take her suggestion account as a cool if I potentially include a clip or two in my own podcast. Sure, Rob Yeah, yeah. Cool with start
2: with the last part. Uh, sure, yeah. Thanks, guys. Now, now because I probably went a little too long with all the hero's journey stuff. Here's the gist of their reply. Andrew says that the thing I don't want to do is introduce myself as a Trek super fan who's probably going to be a star-struck annoyance for all the talent. So, whoops on that. He said, I need to establish myself as a credible and dependable name in that agent's Rolodex, who they can call up at a moment's notice. And now this won't be easy, because I have a day job. Also, I think it's time to come to terms with myself, that I don't live in the GTA or greater toronto area anymore i remember it was a real wake-up call when i first moved up here and realized i was outside the range of toronto radio stations i guess it's been so long since i've turned on the radio i've forgotten anyway that's a challenge a big challenge but not insurmountable Brian said I need to be known by an agent and be seen as a path of least resistance solution to their problem. They're not in the wish-fulfillment business. He also warned it's not going to be fun. Basically, I'm a self-aware prop, no different than the chrome-painted repurposed toilet brush they used for a dilithium restabilizer. So, I guess I was envisioning like a casting call day, for extras. And I just needed to find the person to nag hard enough, to get on the list, and then in a crowd of hundreds, maybe thousands, with a little luck they'd see something in me. Like they could envision me far in the back corner of a space station ten-forward set. And I'd have to pretend to make small talk, drinking some kind of blue milk, until they yelled, "'That's a wrap!' And six months later, you could catch a glimpse of me in the top left corner of frame 2047. But instead, I need to be besties with the casting agent. Put in my time doing extra work for a Celebrex commercial. Maybe wash his or her car. The whole time, I'm never stating my desire to be a Trekstra. Until one day, the agent is like... Ken, Roger called in sick, so I need you to show up for this space track thing. And I feel like a guy who announced on social media that he's going to swim the Great Lakes, because how hard can it be? I mean, I can swim, kinda, as long as the water isn't too wavy, and I've gotten a lot better since that time I almost drowned in my brother-in-law's pool. But I'm not refusing this call, dear listener. Because these emails have evolved into phone calls. Next time on today's tea. I, I still have another horse apple segment to get to, but, but you know, watch this, watch this space or whatever. Anyway, dear listener, rest assured we haven't abandoned our journey or refused the call, as it were. We're just in that boring phase before things start to get real.
0: Now, in order to do an Rickman, first you're going to need to do some warm-ups. Otherwise, you're going to pull one of your muscles in your throat. So, after me, Come now, Moonen, I should think you'd enjoy the flight, give those wings a chance to stretch out, and I promise to make this message brief, or to write smaller at any rate. I'll just dip this quill into the ink here, and and here goes. Dearest Catherine, at questventurecasting.biz, I write to you on this, the eve of the crimson Moon regarding your free information seminar. So you've embarked on a quest, adventuring for the uninitiated. I believe I'm in need of such information as my ancestral home has been invaded by chuds. I've laid down those chud traps, you know, the ones from the blacksmith, but it seems that for every chud I vanquish, two more spring up in its place. It's at the point where I can no longer traverse the castle's lower depths or dungeon region without fear for my own safety. A fortnight ago, I sent down an apprentice from the Trapper's Guild, and he's yet to return, not to mention the mysterious disappearances from most of my peasants. A wizened old traveller suggested there's probably a dark portal that I need to journey to and throw in a sacred relic of some sort. Would my original VHS copy of The Skateboard Kid 2 suffice? Well I would hate to part with it. This chud infestation only seems to be getting worse. Yours truly. Lord Ken of the House Yolo Dank memes for twenty On now Moonin, swiftly fly swiftly for the night is full of terrors. <coughs> Dawn breaks I fear I may have a few nights longer before slipping into night eternal. That is, unless I can get this chud situation under control. Where is that moonin'? I expected his delivery of reply ages ago. What's this I hear? Be it the dark wings of moonin' here to deliver blessed words? Moonin', dear friend. Moonin'. You've returned with a reply, no doubt? Well, let's just see here, shall we? From Catherine at questventurecasting.biz Reply, questing information to quell the coming darkness. Yeah. Yeah, cool. No problem. Let's get in touch next week. Sincerely, Cat. But wait. Does that mean to send forth another raven one week from today? Or like Monday? Or is the information seminar next week?
1: Thank you for listening to Today's Tea with Kenny P. Please send your questions, thoughts and feedback to Ken at todaysteawithkennyp.com or at Pelican on Twitter. If you like the show, give it a glowing review wherever you find podcasts. And better yet, recommend this show to a friend.